millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome again to the Explaining History podcast, and uh, I want to talk about the problems that Japan faced, or really the crises that Japan faced by the uh, mid to uh, end of the Second World War, um, and this relates really to the loss of shipping tonnage. There's a really interesting article written in last December's History Today by Malcolm Murphitt, um, that talks about this issue in particular. And the idea that Japan, whilst having a uh, very uh, a sudden and wildly successful few months at the start of the war, faced um, a naval war of attrition. Now, this is uh, stuff I've, I've talked about before at uh, great length, and about how the explosive growth of Japan's uh, East Asia co-prosperity sphere, or the Japanese Empire, suddenly faces insurmountable challenges, crises, um, and threats in the years after 1942. But the point that the historian here, Malcolm Murphy, makes is that these should have been abundantly clear to Japan. Japan itself had set all sorts of extraordinary naval precedents uh, itself since the Battle of Tsushima and the destruction of the Russian fleet in 1905, but the lessons that Japan taught to the rest of the world in terms of naval power go forgotten by uh, about 1943-44. So let's just look at some of the statistics. Between the attack on Pearl Harbor and the surrender of Japan in August 1945, Japan loses 8.4 million tonnes of merchant shipping. 2,259 ships weighing over 500 tonnes were sunk in the Pacific War. 116,000 merchant seamen were lost. In addition to this, there was an unknown number of smaller boats, such as fishing trawlers and yachts, um, lighters, dinghies and other vessels that were lost. And this matters so much because Japan is an island archipelago with few natural resources of its own and an island that was desperately, desperately dependent on um, the flow of goods to the island, and this is really the motivation behind the development of a vast Pacific and land Asian empire. It had been the British who'd first identified 
this as Japan's weakness and the development of the Singapore strategy for imperial defence um, rested on uh, should a war break out with Japan, sailing a, a Royal Naval fleet from Singapore to uh, defeat a Japanese fleet on the high seas and then lay blockade to the island. Simply starving Japan was going to be the, the method employed. Obviously, this didn't really work out when Japan seized Singapore from the Malay Peninsula, but um, it was, I suppose, a good idea in principle. The Japanese Central Planning Board had shown that uh, Japan would require 3 million tonnes of merchant shipping uh, to continue functioning without any shortfall. It knew that coal supplies coming from Manchuria, which it had taken in 1932, would take 1.8 million tonnes of that shipping. Agricultural products and foodstuffs would take up 450,000 tonnes. And there would be other resource components that were crucial to making steel, manganese and that sort of thing. That would take up 300,000 tonnes on an annual basis. And any reduction below the 300 million tonne level would have a huge damaging effect on the economy. So um, 3 million tonnes was the break-even point for Japan. The first pressure that came on Japan's merchant shipping was during the decision to go to war in December 1941. The army requisitioned 519 cargo ships and passenger vessels for which it landed amphibious troops in Malaya and other such places. Um, the Navy took uh, as many merchant ships, obviously a, a flotilla of um, non-combat ships is always required in order to service uh, the fighting vessels. And the two forces, the Army and the Navy, would make, during the war, nine separate uh, allocations, um, nine separate requisitions of civilian ships, thus placing an enormous burden on the Japanese merchant fleet. So the Japanese economy had a huge burden to bear from the outset, and some economic historians have suggested that the uh, figure of 3 million tonnes is actually a conservative estimate, and it, some uh, historians put it closer to 4 to 6 million tonnes. So the Japanese economy is um, labouring under an immense strain um, as a result of the war. Britain, Germany, America and most definitely the Soviet Union went through uh, an immensely difficult period at the beginning of each set of hostilities, uh, perhaps slightly less with Germany but certainly with, with uh, the other three, of transforming their economies into wartime economies and Japan was no different. But there was a, an additional pressure on Japan and that was the need for oil. Japan's oil production was relatively modest and certainly wasn't enough for, to cover uh, Japanese domestic needs. Japan, Japan needed about uh, a million tonnes of oil a year and this wasn't factoring in the need to keep Japanese armies, air forces and navies on the go. Japan was able to produce for itself just under 400,000 tonnes of oil a year and therefore it looked to America to make up the shortfall. Um, oil imports had placed uh, Japan in a very disadvantageous position and oil imports meant that Japan to some extent could be the victim of pressure from or the recipient of immense pressure from the United States. The Export Control Act of July 1940 
meant that Japan came under a squeeze for exports and by August 1941 not only had all Japan, uh, Jap oil to Japan been completely embargoed along with scrap metal but also in July 1941 um, all Japanese assets in the US uh, that you know all monies that could have bought oil um, foreign currency was were frozen now some economic historians have suggested that this was the spur to uh, impulse Japan into its uh, attack on the US the destruction or the attempted destruction of the US Pacific Fleet at Pearl Harbor was specifically designed to knock out the the great Pacific police force and enable Japan to seize, among other things, the Dutch East Indies, where the majority of Asia's oil was produced, and not to forget as well, Borneo. However, a Pacific war with the US was an immense drain on Japanese resources. Some planners thought that a war with the US would take 3.6 million tonnes of fuel oil and 440,000 tonnes of aviation fuel annually. Um, in September 1941, it was thought that uh, Japan's oil reserves would last between 18 months and two years, um, depending on how widespread the war became. And the fact that the uh, Pacific Fleet's carriers were not destroyed at Pearl Harbor, they weren't even there, uh, presented the Japanese with an immense crisis. Once the carrier fleet uh, is able to continue fighting, the war can be fought over immense distances and America is uh, able to carry on the fight uh, almost indefinitely. The reality was that even if the four carriers had been destroyed at Pearl Harbor, the American war industries would still have been able to produce a vast number of new warships within a relatively short uh, time frame. The problem that the uh, Japanese really have is that they don't destroy the uh, fuel reserves at Pearl Harbor. Had those been destroyed, then Pearl Harbor would not have been able to act for a considerable period of time as a forward base in the Pacific for uh, the United States. Now, the, the essay that I'm referring to this afternoon makes a very salient point. Um, it talks about how the, the scope of the problem is easy to map out. But the, the Japanese decision-making is more mysterious. Why, given the pressures of fuel and merchant shipping on Japan, did Japan not act in a more logical way to uh, prevent these two um, Achilles heels, twin Achilles heels, from, uh, crea from creating the circumstances for Japan's defeat? And in a way, uh, it was the memory of the Battle of Tsushima that decided and influenced Japanese military planners far too readily. Japanese military planners looked at Tsushima and they said the, uh, what we achieved was a fatal strike against Russia. And it, the, in, in the Sino-Japanese War of 1894 to 1895, we managed the same thing. And it's the decisive battle... The, the Trafalgar that we seek, and only if we have that can we uh, be in some sort of secure position. And then planning throughout the 1920s and 30s, where it was generally assumed by the uh, Japanese Navy 
that a titanic war with the US would eventually come was on a massive military, uh, a massive naval battle somewhere in the Pacific. And indeed, this is what Japan eventually gets. Pearl Harbor was meant to be the decisive battle, the decisive strike. But Japan actually gets the Battle of the Coral Sea, uh, the Battle of Midway, the Battle of Leyte Gulf, and uh, a number of other battles uh, around the Solomon Islands. And these destroy Japanese naval power in the Pacific. The Japanese neglected to look at the safety and security of their merchant shipping. They ignored the lesson that Germany had taught to Great Britain during the First World War about the power of U-boats and the response that the British had developing a convoy system which uh, managed, if not to stop the U-boat attacks, then to limit their effectiveness. The Japanese had actually, as allies of Britain during the First World War, had stationed um, observers and military attaches on British ships to witness much of this. But the lesson was lost because of the shadow that Tsushima cast over Japanese naval plans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There was a shortage of uh, escort vessels, submarine hunters, destroyers, and other kind of auxiliary ships uh, because of the need for more and more uh, capital ships, particularly aircraft carriers. Some historians have suggested that the um, Japanese didn't put enough emphasis into their aircraft carriers, but they had a significantly large carrier fleet by the start of the war. Really, if any of the Axis powers had um, little, paid little attention or no attention to naval air power. It was Germany. The fact that there were not enough submarine hunters, destroyers, and uh, other defensive ships meant that convoys were unprotected from air attack and from submarine attack. 
The Japanese had never expected America to take the offensive to them quite as quickly as they did do. They'd never expected the uh, USA to have a submarine war against them, and they assumed that uh, Americans were ill-disciplined, not very brave, and unlikely to uh, be able to respond to the pressure of submarine warfare. And in 1942, indeed, uh, there were significant problems with uh, American submarines. Um, the, there were malfunctions with torpedoes, and the next generation of submarines and torpedoes that uh, were introduced, that were faster, were able to travel further, and their torpedoes were more accurate, meant that by 1943, a poorly protected Japanese merchant fleet, the lifeline to Japan, was in mortal danger. And 40% of shipping losses happened off the coast of Japan. These weren't ships lost out in the uh, Pacific, they were in Japanese territorial waters. Brief experiments with convoys um, were ineffective, and you have to consider the economies of scale. The 1943 Casablanca Conference resulted in a policy of three warships per convoy, plus one extra warship for every ten vessels. So a standard Allied uh, convoy of 150 ships would have 18 warships attached to it. Um, a Japanese convoy, um, which should be much, much smaller, of 20 ships, would have roughly about would have five warships uh, to escort it. Uh, and this was, the economies of scale here uh, really don't make much sense. However, the curious thing is, is that Japanese military convoys that took troop ships to places like Guadalcanal or Malaya had a very effective convoy system that was covered by large numbers of warships um, and it meant that the escort could be extremely close. Civilian convoys, convoys of foodstuffs to Japan, failed to adopt another strategy employed by the British and Americans in the Atlantic of having established sailing patterns, um, systems of, for example, zigzagging and taking different routes to avoid submarine wolf packs. Merchant shipping uh, captains uh, resented the convoy system, even though it was there to keep them safe. Uh, assembling a convoy and forming up um, the convoy was uh, time-consuming, and the convoy could only go as fast as the slowest member. Many of them refused to obey radio silence. Many of them refused to um, present uh, control smoke emissions, uh, thus creating uh, lovely targets on the horizon for uh, submarine commanders. Um, many of them were ignorant of uh, things such as uh, zigzagging uh, or refused to do it at night. And so the convoys, uh, when they did exist, got broken up and were uh, easy targets for uh, submarines. The level of losses by 1943, however, did start to focus the thoughts of merchant navy captains. And by 1943, with the establishment of Grand Escort Headquarters, um, something like the British Western Approaches in um, Liverpool, um, the... Uh, Japanese began to really take seriously the problem of the absence of convoy duty. 
The Grand Escort HQ started off with 44 ships uh, that were of any use at all. And looking back at that, those kind of figures before, with a convoy of 20 requiring roughly about five ships, you can already see how little that is. Uh, thinking about the tonnage of uh, fuel, food and everything else needs to get into Japan. The uh, ships were um, not particularly well um, suited to convoy duty. The, the lighter destroyer type ships, designed really for um, uh, protecting fishing fleets initially, uh, the Kaiboy Can had a top speed of 20 knots, which is not quite fast enough to catch up with an American U-boat on the surface. And eventually they were equipped with um, 120mm uh, guns, uh, depth charges, um, and whilst these are, are useful, um, they didn't actually connect, they didn't actually have any uh, sonar or any other um, system like such as ASDIC for uh, looking underwater to see if they could find uh, American U-boats. Um, they sometimes had mine-sweeping equipment, but they were. it took a long time, almost up to 1945, before radar or sonar uh, were uh, equipped upon them, which is a, a significant problem. The air support that they had were from uh, 80 uh, twin-engine Betty and uh, bombers and Emily flying boats. These were uh, allied uh, descriptions of them. Um, and the air crew were not the, not the best. Now, there's a reason for that uh, that's explicable. The Imperial Japanese Navy made sure that there were a limited number of pilots. Why? Because pilot, be, the, the role of pilot was analogous to samurai. It was a prestigious position. It was a, a knight of the air, if you will. And in order to keep its status, you didn't want to have too many of them. Unlike the United States and every other um, combatant power that um, understood mass production, who tried to churn out aircrafts and train pilots as much as possible. After you've, uh, Japan had fought battles like Midway, um, the Coral Sea, um, and finally the Mariana Islands, uh, Japan is hemorrhaging uh, pilots. And the air crews towards the end of the war were not really anywhere near as good as the ones at the start. Here you have um, pilots that are assigned to a slightly unglamorous role of convoy protection. And they are not the best. And they, for example, don't keep radio contact with the warships and the uh, merchant ships down below. Japanese anti-submarine warfare in general was not particularly good. Um, the Japanese uh, anti-submarine system um, was, dis was particularly uh, weak. Um, as I said previously, there was, radar wasn't available to the Navy until 1943 and to patrol planes um, until 1944. Uh, airborne radar was about four years behind that of America's in terms of quality. And the... Weapon that the Americans had that the Japanese lacked was the rear-firing rocket that could be launched from a Catalina or another uh, observation plane that could hit a submarine after you'd flown over it because normally a submarine would see a spotter plane start to dive and the spotter plane would overfly and then fire, in, uh, fire backwards in essence. 
The weapons that were used against American submarines were also quite weak. The depth charges were not particularly good. They sank to and it detonated at about uh, 50 to 60 feet, whereas an American crash diving sub could uh, hit 300 feet uh, below the waves before the uh, depth charges were uh, anywhere near them. Now, by December 1944, despite the claims that the Japanese had uh, that they had sunk hundreds and hundreds of um, American subs. In total, America lost about 20 subs in uh, Japanese waters. Um, The Americans had 156 submarines operating in the Pacific. These were the sorts of numbers that Carl Dönitz, the um, Grand Admiral of the Kriegsmarine, uh, had hoped, had dreamt of, that he'd be able to launch into the Atlantic. He said, with these kinds of figures, 200 subs uh, will win the war. Well, the uh, attack groups, uh, not uh, wolf packs, that's a, a term um, referring to, to uh, Germany, but the attack groups that followed wolf pack strategies uh, congregated in uh, areas that the Japanese Navy and the Japanese Merchant Navy tended to sail through that were favoured by them, and they, in rotating patrols, they moved from one area to the next and were guided, of course, by the fact that uh, American cryptanalysts and British cryptanalysts had broken Japan's naval codes, much as the Enigma code had been broken to prevent Allied uh, merchant shipping in the Atlantic, Japanese codes had been broken in order to destroy Japanese merchant shipping in the Pacific. Now, of course, as we know, it was the detonation of two atomic bombs that finally ended Japan's war. But the uh, starvation of Japan through um, denuding it of resources from its empire uh, had a significant effect in bringing Japan to its knees. Why did the um, Japanese Navy allow such an immense open goal? Well, it's difficult to say. We can make certain predictions. But it seems to have been based deeply within Japanese assumptions about how the war would be fought and what priorities needed to be given to different aspects of the, uh, of the struggle. The reality is that without the destruction of the four carriers at Pearl Harbor, the war was lost from its inception anyway. Um, had those carriers been hit, that might have been a slightly different story, but I believe taking on the United States of America um, and not um, defeating America in the Pacific in one go, which was virtually impossible, sealed Japan's fate... Um, in 1941, and the failure to adequately protect convoys shows a degree of recklessness, which is kind of mirrored in Pearl Harbor itself, a degree of hubris and arrogance that is uh, mirrored in Pearl Harbor itself. Anyway, I hope you found this useful and interesting. Uh, Check us out on Patreon, and also, if you can give us a good review on iTunes, that would be great, and I'll catch you on the next podcast. All the best. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.